0: Today's episode of Better Call Saul is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. Head on over to Cufflinks.com and use code DVR20 to save 20% off your order, no minimum. Cufflinks.com has the greatest products for looking good. They have all the geeky stuff. Man, if you want like a Star Wars tie pin, you want some Cufflinks that have the Captain America shield, Game of Thrones, all the sports teams, college sports teams. They have everything to add that little touch to make you look great. So look awesome when you step out the door tomorrow. Go to cufflinks.com. Use code DVR20 today. Welcome back to Daily DVR. Does better call Saul. Saul. What an episode, again, I say it, but I'm just going to keep on saying it. We're here to talk about Season 6, the final season, Episode 9, Fun and Games. You can check us out at DVRPodcast.com. Please do me a favor, give us a uh, review on one of those podcast things you're listening to. And I do also just want to thank everyone, actually, for downloading and listening to us, because... We really appreciate it and I appreciate the feedback we get and looking at the numbers, we're doing pretty good, so I dig it. And thanks, of course, to the patrons and thanks to my guest tonight. You may have heard him on the History of Westeros podcast and YouTube channel. And what was that what was that pop culture show you were doing like five
1: years back? Fandom media. Fandom.
0: I love that show. You hear his voice? It's Sean. What's up, buddy?
1: Hey, I'm going. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. By the way, I, uh, yeah, you know, most of my efforts in media have been through History Westeros, but I do have my own YouTube channel, Dancing Sean. I recently put up an hour long in depth analysis of the colors, the use of colors in Better Call Saul. And I got some other things on there. Also, invite anyone to follow me on. uh, Dancing Sean on—we call that thing with the bluebird Twitter, Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I recently signed up for Reddit, trying to trying to get more out there in social media. All
0: right, cool. So the YouTube is Dancing Sean.
1: Yep, yeah, Dancing Sean. Oh, no space. You'll probably find it even with the space, right. but uh,
0: I'll put a link in it in the show notes to that. Um, cool. But it's just me and Sean tonight. Unfortunately, Heath has been called away. On some emergency business in Star City. So he can't join us. But we're going to go it alone. I don't think we're going to have a problem talking about this episode. I mean, this was so pivotal. I think that so pivotal. <laughs> I think that <laughs> so many people who have been watching this show have been trying to figure out how is this transition going to happen fully how are we going to transition to a or, or are we going to transition to a different story mm-hmm. and that's why i want to start sean at the end when we fade okay. out from kim leaving and we fade in to jimmy at uh, he is saul i should say i cannot even call him jimmy at that point Saul yep. at his disgusting house <laughs> with <laughs> with, um, with a look, maybe an escort in the bed there with him. Obviously not. Kim goes into the office and we are obviously far ahead into the future. Um, what was your impression when this happened? Do you think that this is the last that we are going to see of Mike of Gus of, uh, of, of those peeps. How long do you think we're going to be in this future? What what are your thoughts, Sean?
1: Well, I, I'll i tell you almost anything you ask me, I'm going to have like a flurry of thoughts on. And and this culmination of the episode and kind of projecting forward is going it, to, it, you know, I'll, I'm going to have a lot of thoughts here and a lot of it's going to, you're going to have to like go back in order to go forward, you know, when you're analyzing it, right? So, um, Here, I'll I'll tell you, one one of the first things that kind of congealed in my mind was I believe that this is not just a flash forward, it's a time jump. I don't think this was just a glimpse ahead to Saul. I think we have moved from the Better Call Mm -hmm. timeline into, well, towards the uh, Breaking Bad timeline. A a couple like details, a little bit of investigation. The license plate, Saul's license plate on his lawyer-up car in this new timeline, was 2005, um, and his uh, that little handicap tag he stuck on the mirror said 2008. Now I believe those are expiration dates. It makes sense that like the car probably updates every year or two, and the handicap thing probably lasts a little longer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe that the uh, Breaking Bad timeline. Is around 2008, so I don't think we're up. I think the first when we first see I don't know Walt and Saul, it's probably not that much time between when we first see Walt and Saul. But anyway, you know, I still think we're a couple of years away from it. I I I believe that most of this episode, and you know, especially the last episode, you know, these two episodes combined, we're summing up. There there are some like you literally, they literally buried Lalo and Howard. You know what I mean? And I I think the little segments we got throughout the course of this episode with Gus and with Mike was kind of the culmination. It was kind of letting us know uh, that this is where these characters got to. And now we're going to move on. You know, Uh, I I think that's uh... now we kind of have some meta knowledge, like there's only four episodes left and we know there's going to (laughs) be a couple scenes with Walt and Jesse, you know, and maybe they've deceived us right. and all the rest of the episodes are going to focus on Jesse. I don't think so. I think we're going to need a couple scenes and to break it by a timeline. And I, I think the focus is going to be on Saul, but he's going to cross paths with Jesse and uh, and Walt. And so that might incorporate Gus or Mike, but I don't expect a focus on them or, or a new storyline to open up with them. Mm-hmm. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him again at all. Yeah.
0: I'm going to totally agree with you, brother. Uh, we're on the same page here. I think that everything about this episode and what happened, particularly the last shot of Gus looking into the pool, the same pool that Don Eladio dies in, right? When he poisons mm-hmm. everyone at that same place. That
1: Max dies in. Uh, what's that? That Max dies in. Let's oh wait no oh, Don, Don Eladio Eladio died Eladio. there too. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's they both multiple, died
0: there. Right. There's multiple <laughs> people actually right, Hector and the cousins don't die there. Bolsa. it's only Aladio that dies there of the people that are there at the end cuz Aladio ends up I mean uh Don Bolsa is shot by the um the like the police or the SWAT team the- in Mexico.
1: Some Gus agents paid, that Mike yes, sent, yeah, that it, yeah. yeah,
0: Gus and Mike paid off. That's later in Breaking Bad, but yeah. um, so, but no, I agree with you, man. I think that this, and, and I'm okay with that. I, uh, you know, yeah. furthermore, yeah. I, I think that it brings to a close a good the the thing with Mike and uh, Manuel Nacho's dad. I think brings to a close a lot of kind of gives you a good idea of where Mike is headed into Breaking Bad, perhaps even though years go by, they can't show us all that. The name of the show is Better Call Saul. So we're really, even though those people became central to this story and we've been following them along and in many senses, the show's been bifurcated. I I feel that it still is about Jimmy. And I agree with you. I think we'll probably, we're going to get those couple scenes with, Walt and Jesse and I, I I would think that the only reason why we're here is somehow for him to for us to see something that was going on during Breaking Bad that we didn't see right maybe he reached out to Kim maybe something else happened in the background something that's going to connect to what we're going to see with Gene because I was reading an older interview um, that, uh, I can't remember which one of the dudes that, uh, the, which one of the show runners, I think it was schnau, uh, schnauz. What's it, what's his name again? Thomas schnauz. Uh,
1: yeah, I think I'm not, I'm not sure if it's schnauz or schnauz or <laughs> yeah. schnauz, but yeah.
0: I, yeah. And he was saying that like, Hey, we know we can tell a lot of story with Gene." So they were, and this was like a 2018 interview or something or 2019 or something. So I think that it's safe. I, I'm feeling that that's where we're going to go. Maybe not the next episode. Maybe it's just the last couple. Maybe we do spend a whole episode in this kind of Saul world and, and see maybe some things that were happening. But that's my only question is, why else would we be here, Sean? Like, why? What What do we really need to know? We don't need I don't need to see jesse and walt i really could care honestly i could care less unless it has something to do with saul's story and the story we're following i do not need the fan service uh cameos i really don't care
1: about them that is something else that the showrunner said that they didn't want to just have fan service cameos they wanted them to play organically into the story that's being told and so that's another expectation i hope i have uh, whether they said that or not it is what i wanted um but i also am a little perplexed as to exactly how they will do that or why like you say, why are they in this timeline <laughs> i do have i have a number of thoughts on uh i don't know the direction it's going predictions about what's going to happen in gene or in these next few episodes
0: hey let's i don't do mind podcast about it yeah. let's i'd yeah. love to hear them
1: I don't mind diving right into that, but it, it might be. I thought it might be more appropriate to go through the episode and then finalize with those thoughts, especially no, we, because a lot of the episode might lead into it. So. Well,
0: I, we really usually don't go in order. So you can. We're talking okay, about okay. it. Let's hear what you have to say.
1: Well, I— th- one thought I have is that. um <sighs> Sort of just a general okay. Well, all right. You you asked me about that final scene, and I actually have a, a thought about that, which of course is going to be connected to like eighteen other things. But one 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 thing about this show, about any great work of art, I would say, is it everything is there for a reason, and. I it, it, sometimes the weirdest things, it, sometimes it kind of perplexing. Sometimes it takes a while for them to show you enough or for you to put it together in your own mind. But especially with the show, that's all there. I'm thinking specifically like you remember in, in Breaking Bad, they kept showing us the pool and that teddy yep. bear and stuff. Yep. And eventually like, oh, okay. They had this big plan. It all makes sense. I think that when, for example, they they kind of made a point, I felt like they made a point of, Featuring those Nutri-Grain bars, and I I feel like did, you know the, right that right? so that sex workers it's there you know we're we're kind of piecing that together the show in general, they do a lot more showing us and telling us we're they kind of assume that we're paying attention and that we're intelligent and we're gonna have a conversation and we're gonna figure out what they're showing us and I I I think they do a great job of showing us the right things you know what I mean I don't think that they like they don't purposefully mislead us. They don't do things out of nowhere. Everything kind of makes sense, especially when you look back at it. You can always see how they set everything up that's happening. Well, I think that means... That's how
0: I describe it,
1: like clockwork. Yeah. Yeah. And so based on that, I think they make it possible if you study hard enough, if you watch it close enough and enough times and think hard enough about all the bits of information they've given you, you can you can project forward sometimes, you know, because they're they're usually not going to out of nowhere, do some random thing. Everything they do is going to have been set up in some way. Um, So so every little thing they show us, I look at real close, especially when it's something it seems a little out of place or unnecessary, like on the surface, that whole scene with Gus. You're like, "What's this all about?" I'm sure we'll talk about it and talk about what it was all about. But uh but the thing with the Nutri game bars, I'm like, "Why did they bother showing that? Why did they? They didn't have to do that. Like she could have pulled a Nutri game bar out of her purse, or he could have given her one, or it could have been bananas or oranges on a table. Why was there a bowl of Nutri Gain bars there?" And thinking about this, you know, of course, it's connected to a bunch of other thoughts, but I realized. That it's demonstrating that this is a routine. This isn't a, a one time thing having this woman over, right? He's got this process. He's done it a bunch of times and he's gonna do it a bunch of more times. And it, this is one of many things in his process that's really there to distract his own mind from the demons of his past. He, from the first thing in the morning, he plugs in his Bluetooth. Through his shower, he's talking to Francesca or whatever. Like He does not allow himself a single moment of self-reflection. He keeps himself nonstop busy. That drive-in to work, in the car, as soon as he walks into the door, it's just constant work, instruction, focus on anything to distract him from reflecting on his role in Chuck's death or Howard's death or I don't know, even like the skaters getting their legs broke or Kettleman's exc- over or Kim leaving him or like any kind of transgression or mistake or regret from his past, he just won't allow himself to think about it. And I even wonder, like you know, one, I wonder if it's almost like a Groundhog Day scenario. Remember they kind of set this up with that, that line. He tells Kim in the beginning something to the effect of, you know, one day you're going to wake up and, and go to work and realize that you didn't even think about it. He's trying to console her about how to deal with Howard. And if you remember, Mike told him the same yep. thing about that moment in the desert when those people got murdered right in front of him. And if you go back a little farther, you remember that's what Stacy said um, about Matt. When, when, when Mike was going to those, you know, I don't know, counseling sessions yep. with his stepdaughter or, uh, I do That's remember that. Word, uh, he was planting
0: the garden. He was having a little life there for a while,
1: Mike. Yeah. You remember that? And and there was a moment when she was, you know, confiding in everyone at this counseling session that she got up and had her coffee and went to work and realized that she went all day without thinking about Matt. And And Mike is kind of... A little frustrated by this, and yeah, I don't know if he's like mad at her for letting him go or realizing he's done the same thing, or well, anyway, point is, you, you, there's this line, like I said, you know, that they, they do a good job of like kind of everything has this sort of integrity, you know. Mike kind of learned this lesson from Stacy and he teaches it to Saul, now Saul's conveying it to Kim, and uh, and I think that Saul is pushing to get to this moment. He can't let himself naturally get past his grief. He's trying to force it. And I think it's like maybe like Groundhog Day where every day when he hits a moment that he allows himself to think about his guilt over Howard. He's like, "Okay, how can I fill this moment later? If he goes to bed at night and he's thinking about it, well, I need to have a sex worker in bed with me when I go to bed at night. When he gets up in the morning and if he's like squeezing orange juice and making cereal, it reminds him of Kim. He's like, "Okay, I need to have some neutral grain bars ready to go so I don't have to think about breakfast." And I think that might even be this day that we see, this day that they show us, I think might be the first day that he did it. Might be the first day that he got through without thinking back on anything from his past.
0: That's pretty beautiful in a way, sad, Mm -hmm. but that's that's a great analysis there. I think that's playing, I pick up on everything that you're laying down, man. He is, he has become Saul now, you know? Yeah. I think that there are two, this show, this episode kind of settled. It's, you know, this is, this show is so wonderful. I've said it so many times. That just one line of dialogue from a character to another can be shattering. It's not nobody, you know. You're not always worried about someone getting killed or or shot. Even though at this season and a little bit of the last you did, but previous to that, this was a show about two brothers, you know, and and uh, and a, and a law firm, and uh, it's just it, the emotions are at the heart of it. And what you're describing is a key to what was such a difference when I rewatched Breaking Bad recently, just how that is all Saul did. He was a shark. He never stopped. Everything was, you want me to do this? You want me to do that? Let me get that person on the phone. Hey, let's go do this. You're exactly right. Never a moment of self-reflection. Never cannot be silent with his own thoughts and feelings so and we see that transition here right this this showed that transition how does it happen
1: so I mean, so here okay. let, let me, if i may I don't, I don't want to cut you off are you done
0: no i was just going to say we don't get to see there's a there's a cut to it but yeah what you described is it we don't need, there's no slide that we need to, right? It ha, We know how people change over time. So it's okay that we jump to it because we saw all we needed to see, the damage, right? Yeah. That needed to get there.
1: So, uh, so two sort of follow-up thoughts, branching from this. One, one going back and one going forward. First, uh, we'll go back. Through the course of this whole show, I think we've all been kind of like waiting for this moment where Jimmy becomes Saul. Yeah. And I think there's probably like, you know, you know, as I was watching, and I'm guessing many other people, there were probably like a dozen times were like, that's it, now he's Saul. But <laughs> none of them quite were it, you know, they all seemed like he was on the way, but never really quite got there. And I think, one, it is worth noting that it is a gradual, generally speaking, a gradual transition. However... Kim leaving him was the real moment. Yeah. That 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 was finally the moment. We didn't need and to if, see we anything
0: don't... after that. You're right.
1: Exactly. The jump. details of like when he bought that car, how we got the statue litter in front of Kettleman's. We could piece that together in his mind. What's important is Kim is not there to rein him in any, anymore. His mind can't be allowed to reflect on these terrible things that have happened. It, you know, we we can piece together the details of how he gets the mansion or whatever, but. But the, the moment that caused it, I think that by having that jump at that moment, that's the way for the showrunners to tell us is that that was the moment. Does and that think make sense?
0: About, definitely. Because think about that. And it is poetic. He lost his love. And that yeah. is what Saul is. He is a loveless human being. He is a non-empathetic shark who is out yeah. to make money and do deals. And that's his life, you know? So when his love left, his love left and he told, it wasn't a slip. It was probably just a thud, right? Like a walking off a cliff because it wasn't ju- I don't
1: Kim Or maybe a life. sprint. It's a sprint. <laughs> 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 and you
0: know, we can back up to, we could talk about the actual, her decision and what we see through the episode of her quitting, just saying, I'm leaving this case. And we said, what the hell's going on? she what she eventually says to him which was also a great debate over is he bad for her is she bad for him are they bad for mm-hmm. each other yes it, it all it's all right <laughs> like yes, we all both. we all knew yeah. it we saw it we've seen people like this we've probably been in relationships like it too and she was this she was like mike said She was the one who has the cojones, has a little more metal in her, right? Is tougher to make the decision to know, look at where we're going. Like, this is not, we're not heading towards a good place now. Like we didn't get over, we're in the shit and we need to get out. And she, hopefully we can only hope that she did because it was a smart thing when She initially said that my initial reaction was, of course, being heartbroken for Jimmy and hoping, hoping somehow, oh, maybe she'll maybe they'll reconsider their talk. We'll get another episode with them. But then also followed by a feeling of elation for her and like, yes, like a you go girl. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is the right. Finally, this is Kim. You're making a good choice here, Kim. Get the fuck out.
1: Yeah, and she's maybe the only person in all these characters swirling around Saul. Almost every single person has ended up dead or in jail or, you know, some sort of tragic ending. She might be the one person that escapes his black hole of tragedy. Uh,
0: <laughs> and I like that it was just a breakup, you know, because so many people said she's going to die, or we had even talked about maybe she seems so burnt out and just fried from her experiences last episode like maybe she has a mental breakdown you know but this was just a decision and i think that the agency that they give her in that that restores uh, a bit of the luster to that character for me right because she wasn't so nice this season to howard um no. <laughs> i want to just take a quick detour Because we had a great email from Reginald who's been, uh, let's see, he's been uh, writing into us and she says, "Um, Kim does a fine job overall in her closing speech to Jimmy, but there's one point that seemed a bit off. It was at the end when she said she was having too much fun to stop when it came to their shenanigans with Howard. Sure, she does have fun partnering up with Jimmy and scamming the slime balls, But the takedown of Howard was more than just fun. This was personal. This was revenge. While I'm sure she didn't want to kill Howard, the vengeful blaze against him burned as hot inside her as the fire inside Gus towards the cartel. It was blood for blood, not just fun. And I think that's another thing that she must have recognized, which is she may have said to him, you know, I had fun with that, or we have fun when we do these things. But ultimately... It wasn't fun. It was destructive, vengeful, harmful, and downright cruel and mean and wrong.
1: And, well, I think that's and, why she's bothered because yeah. having fun doing those destructive things, that's a problem, point. you know, and she recognizes that and she needs to get away from it. And, uh, they, I, I will point out, I'm not sure I a hundred percent agree there. I, I, th- with, with Reginald's... Like, mostly I agree, but I don't know how much she was really hateful and vengeful towards Howard. I think she had a couple legitimate reasons to be frustrated with him, but I think that it was really justification for her to do this. I don't think that she was on this mission of hate i think that a little frustration swelled to a level of hate as she used it as justification for this fun that she was having i I don't know if that quite makes sense uh,
0: i understand where you're coming from and i could i I, hey what do we know it's a character and we're trying to imbibe you know what i mean the the actress could have a different interpretation from the director and the writer and who knows either way it wasn't fucking good, you know what I'm saying?
1: Like, right. It was, yeah.
0: It was bad. And, uh, it was really bad. And she, at the same time, when she's donating all her time to help all these clients, that was very strange. That's not a. That's not a way to live. And it's a lesson you had talked about the the pool and Breaking Bad, right? And eventually mm-hmm. we find out the crash is caused by why? Because of what Walt did, letting, letting Jesse's girlfriend die. It was her father that caused that whole thing, right? How what the little mm-hmm. things you can do when you do bad, it reverberates, you know, just like when you do good. And that's a lesson that they've always been trying to teach and successfully taught on this show over and over again. And Kim saw the lesson. And so she got out, you know, it was kind of too late look at all the bad shit that happened. But I was happy in the end to see that happen. Um, they certainly so, did not leave it long. Cause then we jump forward to the Saul. <laughs> yeah. But I was happy when she did that. Um, what did when, you think of that? So, conver- oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Which conversation?
0: The conversation with uh, Cheryl Hamlin.
1: Yep, that, um, That's what I was going to bring okay, up anyway. Cool. So yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: Cause uh, that's like a spark so, too, where the way she behaved there was fucked up.
1: So, well, well it, this is perfect because remember earlier I, I had a, a, two thoughts on, on Jimmy, one, one to go back and one to go forward. I haven't gone forward yet. On this scene with Cheryl, I also have two thoughts, one to go back and one to go forward. So maybe We're we'll do the four stuff together them. in a minute. Okay, yeah. So, uh, I, I, first of all, I, okay, have you seen The Boys? Yes, when When I started thinking about it, after the fact, when I started analyzing the scene and I pieced it together on my mind, and I think, maybe after I get my thoughts out, you might agree with me, my my realization was fucking diabolical. <laughs> that's where <laughs> that's where I went. <laughs> so here's the thing. When they go up there, they 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 kind of know that they need just you know I don't know for the sake of etiquette or whatever for for appearances maybe even for the sake of like their cover story that they, they need to confront Cheryl and she Probably happens to be so with Cliff that,
0: the cover story
1: right yes you know and uh, and so they go up there and so I'm I'm going to take a little a quick little tangent here because it, there was another moment that perplexed me kind of like the Nutri game bars another moment like what's up with that why did they show us that. They, you remember as they, when they got to the top of the stairs, right before they walked up to him, they both had a glass of water in their hand and they set it down. Like, why did they show us that? Why yeah, did they even you know have what? glasses they of water? Put, you know? You're
0: right, because they put it on like the ledge though. I yeah. think that's what it was. And when I saw that, man, you pick good shit up here, Sean. When I saw <laughs> right. that, what that said to me is that's what they're doing, right? It was like a visual representation of the emotional... State that they were in, or the situation where they're kind of like a glass on a ledge, like if it just nudged, it could go mm-hmm. over.
1: But yeah, I thought maybe, it was maybe, I don't know, the, the, the kind of like the Nutri Game Bars. The more I thought about it, I kept like thinking of new levels. I'm like, yeah, that was really good. It's, I'm so glad they put that little moment in there. It. it I think, like you said, they're kind of on the edge. I think it also showed that they were kind of like of the same mind, they both set their glasses down. I think also that might have been a little bit of preparation. They were going to maybe need their hands available for this Uh, moment. They're going to need to some, you know, she's going to need to put her hand on Cheryl's shoulder. They're going to need to like, you know, Jimmy talks with his hands a lot. Also, I think they might've been, think about those are clear glasses with clear water. I think maybe they're leaving their clear consciences behind. So many little bits you can get from such a quick cinematic moment. I I love they do that type of thing so much, but so anyway, when they get there, what what happens, you know, Jimmy does a good job of not telling any direct lies, by the way. he You know, she says, you know, Howard was running. He told me that, too. I think you really believed.
0: Oh, I'm losing you here a bit. Oh, all right. And we're back and we're sounding good. All right. Please continue, Sean. We were talking about when. Uh. Jimmy and Kim were chatting with Cheryl Hamlin at Howard's wake.
1: Right. So Jimmy comes up and, you know, if you notice, he approaches, he extends his hand and she crosses her arms, you know, (laughs) this is definitely going to be a contentious moment. And, and he's careful not to tell any direct lies. And, you know, she even presses him a little bit. She's like, so you're denying it. You know, he, you know, he says that, you know, yeah. He told me he thought I was running scams, too. And I think he really believed it. Now, that doesn't mean that Jimmy wasn't running scams. (laughs) He really believed it because it was really true. You know, Uh, but, you know, he's kind of tactfully avoids being confrontational or directly lying. But Cheryl's really not having it. And Ken steps in here. And I I don't think she just randomly thought of this. I think that Ken's been plotting this moment out. I don't I think she was hoping she wouldn't have to do this. But I think she knew how she was going to play this moment when she says when she tells that little lie about uh, having seen Howard snort cocaine. Yep. She says, I, you know, we, we we pretended like it didn't happen. It was like this embarrassing moment. We never talked about it. I wish. I had said something about it. Now, she's doing it. She says this. Not only is this lie kind of like supporting Jimmy and, and, and the, the story about how Howard died, right? But really what she's doing here is putting a little grief on Cliff because Cliff... If he had said something about that cocaine oh, he saw that, in the locker room, maybe totally he right, could have stopped it, right? So yes. suddenly Cliff is he on his heels. Him
0: in too. That's a great right? point.
1: And then what does Cheryl do? She turns to Cliff and says, did you ever see anything like this? Yeah. And Cliff, if he had never seen anything like this, would have said, no, I never did. But instead, what does he say? This isn't the time or place. And Cheryl knows what that means. Cheryl knows that means there was something. Yep. Now, what's the follow up? No one else necessarily knows this. It took me a minute to realize that Kim even knew this at that moment. But Howard told Kim and Jimmy when he came over that her and Cheryl were on the outs. So when Kim leans in supportive and says, hey, you're his wife, you see him every day. You would know if something's up, maybe I'm wrong. She knows that Cheryl wouldn't know. They don't see every day. And she's now laying the guilt on Cheryl. Cheryl can't stand there and righteously say, my husband would never, because she doesn't actually know, because she's on the outs with her husband. And she perfectly, can perfectly plays this to have Cheryl and Cliff feeling guilty about their own actions rather than angry at Jimmy for his. And I, and I think it was diabolically perfect the way she did that.
0: It was, man. It was, and it was cruel
1: yes and now let's think this through I think that's part of why she realizes she no. can't be with Jimmy anymore Definitely. like not only has she done this cruel vicious calculated evil thing to cover up a different cruel vicious calculated evil thing right but when, at the end, end of all man. this
0: it does end. end it's like when right sat exactly the bed.
1: We're and thinking, and you know to they, to to pin down the fact that it doesn't end. Think when this ends and they go back down. Jimmy says, all right, hey, we made it through that. Now it's time to start the healing process. Jimmy doesn't really feel any guilt. He's not allowing, he's gonna go do the next bad thing. And Kim is piecing all this together. She's feeling so bad for what she did and is realizing she sticks with Jimmy, she's gonna do it again and she kisses him. And I, I didn't even realize in that moment, but my wife was like, "That's it." That's, That's the- what
0: I thought. Moment. Yeah. I um, I mean, honestly, I kind of thought it when they were coming down. I think there's like a like when he was saying that, right? Like they're kind of. I think they were. What were they? Was there a shot of them walking, or were they in an elevator? Uh, I wish I,
1: I could remember, remember exactly. They. <clears throat> I don't remember exactly the cut between at the top of the stairs Maybe of the conversation was the and day, in, and, day, and day. in the parking deck, yeah. but you know that the elevator door might've opened and walked, they walked toward the car for sure. It
0: was, she just had a look. Yeah, that was, yeah. and honestly, I was surprised that she was even at the apartment initially because.
1: Yeah. You thought, thought that it might've been the last scene. Yeah. Like heard. she might've yeah. just driven
0: <laughs> off in the car and that's it. And the, like she was never to be seen again. So I honestly, the other, the, the other scene we get was great and I'm glad we had it. Um, but if it had ended that way, I think I could have been satisfied too.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because that, Mm -hmm. I think that that just the fact that, yeah, they're not, it's, there is, they're not going to heal for, they weren't going to heal. It wasn't going to get better. They're just going to keep on doing shit like this. And this situation itself was only ensnaring them in deeper debt into Mike and Gus and that whole lifestyle, you know? And I just, I think it was the best thing. I'm glad, I think that this was really brilliant and and I'm glad that it wasn't Lalo didn't shoot Kim instead of Howard or whatever, you know? I think that this really paid such great service to the characters and also allowed all the actors to, really play it through truthfully you know and and all the way to the end i i loved it Um, (coughs) i want to just keep it moving a little bit we could talk forever about any one of these things
1: oh yeah (laughs) what did
0: you what was your impression of mike's kind of outgoing story here which mostly concerned him find you know putting his guns away finding manuel's id reaching out to him, having a conversation with him, which I thought was meaningful. And I mean, I love Mike. I I think that meant, well, I don't know the actor's name. He was fantastic throughout. Um, But I felt it was a little bit like that is definitely something they had told us before. I'm not coming down on it. It was still done well, but the way he was just kind of like y- you fucking cartel and you're, you know, your, your truth or, or your justice, you know, there's nothing you're, you're just kind of, you know, it was basically like, you're just scum, you know, you are well, who you are.
1: And, I, I, I have a thought on this, but it sir? it might be slightly controversial. I, I don't know. Controversial might not be the right word, but, uh, um, but, but before I get to it, if I may, I want to touch on colors a little bit. Please. Uh I, I have a million thoughts on this, so I'm going to try to keep it brief, but as we go through these scenes, almost every scene I have at least one comment to make on colors. So uh, probably most viewers out there are at least superficially aware that they're using red to represent criminality and moral antagonist characters, right? Tuco's got a red shirt on Nacho, drives a red car. There's a million examples, you know? And blue tends to be in the realm of good guy, legal protagonist um, Howard's always in blue. You know, cops wear blue. Lawyer. Most of the lawyers are in blues. You know, uh, Kim is, until this recent season, she's almost always in blue. But this season, she started wearing like maroons and pink and orange and stuff. But uh, um, so, and uh, yellow, by the way, means conflicted, maybe uncertain, struggling, uh, transitioning. That's what yellow tends to right Think about like Jimmy's yellow car. Uh, there's a million examples. Um, in the scene when... Um, when uh, Jimmy and Kim were talking to Cheryl and Cliff, all the all the cuts, all the framing of Jimmy and Kim, there would be just this blazing yellow, right, light yellow lights right next to their head. And I think it's showing the sort of the conflict that they're going through. Uh, green, by the way, represents. Something in the realm of a facade, something that's covered or hidden, safe, disguised, lots of ways, lots of words in that realm. Kim's shirt, when she was putting up that front, telling that lie, she she had a green, a dark green blouse on for that. Uh, I thought of this because um, when Mike goes into that closet and opens up that panel to get that case with the gun and the ID and stuff, it's green paneling in the closet. You'll see it over and over again. Green is always represents some sort of cover or protection, disguise, something in that realm and when that discussion that they're having between um uh mike and uh nacho's dad what was his name i forgot Manuel. his name Menwell, thank you uh Uh, In the background, when they cut back and forth between Mike and Manuel, behind Mike, there's like a support beam that's blue that just is framed right over his head. He's clearly a good guy, protagonist, right? When they cut to Mike, Mike is behind the fence. He's like caged in, you know? And I think that that wasn't accidental. That was purposeful framing. I think one thing they're showing here is that Mike is kind of trapped in this world, trapped by... Mm. Vengeance, we'll say, uh, trapped by uh, this lie that he's telling himself. I think that, well, like he's presented in a somewhat of a protagonist way. Generally speaking, we're rooting for him. He seems to be kind of have this code, right? He wants to protect innocent people. But the fact is, he murdered Werner. He did not have to do that. He could have skipped town. He could have murdered Gus. He might have endangered his own life. There's lots of things he could have gone different. And you understand maybe why he didn't. But the fact is, he keeps on this illegal path. He keeps doing it. He keeps getting paid by Gus. He keeps following Gus's instructions. And he keeps not doing the morally correct thing. And he does the same thing as Walt. He lies to himself about his motivations. I'm doing it for my family. I'm doing it for my daughter. That's what he tells himself. But... I don't think that's, I mean, on some level, that's why he's doing it, but that's not the only reason. And even if that is the only reason he's doing it, it doesn't make it okay. It doesn't make murdering innocent people okay, just cause you're doing it for your family. And I think that that's one thing that Manuel is forcing Mike to come to terms with is that you gangsters are all the same. You th- I think when Mike is talking to Manuel, and, and, and like oftentimes monologues really have these double meanings. He's telling Manuel Nacho was a good guy, he had a good heart. He fell in with some bad people, but he wasn't really like He's
0: them. He's describing himself. He's right?
1: Talking about himself exactly. <laughs> yep. And Manuel's not having it. He's like, "Nah, this justice you're talking about is just revenge, oh, and shit, it never ends. Yeah. Your gangsters are all the same." And I thought that might be quote unquote controversial because a lot of people like Mike and it's not that I don't like Mike, but I think it's easy to forget who he really is. Listen,
0: listen, you are, this is not falling on deaf ears. Whenever we talk about what has been such a reoccurring theme of like, you know, um, men who do wrong right like the 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 anti-hero whether it's tony soprano whether it's don draper whether whoever it is right i'm not going (laughs) to include mcnulty though because i think mcnulty was a good dude um so many of these people that we see in shows i am not one of these people that's like oh they're a good guy you know like i was listening to uh uh, the Sopranos sessions and David Chase was like, we all love Tony Soprano. He's so fun to be around. I was like, are you on crack? Like, I think you're mistaking <laughs> your personal experience perhaps with the actor or making the mm-hmm. show, but a sane human being watching the Sopranos does not lo- Tony Soprano is a maniacal sociopath. He is horrible. He is not a good person, right? Like he murders you, you, many people. Yeah, destroys like lives willy-nilly. He's horrible. He's a monster.
1: He's charismatic yeah. and he's competent. You know, he's so he, to, he might, might be, be fun
0: to watch on TV. And say, "Oh my right. god!" But it's not. It's not. I. It, actually, it's not fun to me. But I feel the same way about Mike. Yes, his character is compelling. And yeah. charismatic, as you say, because the actor is, and the direction is, and everything. But when you boil it down, Mike is a monster. Mike is a bad guy, right? Nacho yep. is a bad guy. The, you know, Walter White, bad guy. Even Jesse, bad guy. Yep. You know, these are not good people. Um, including, uh, we can keep it moving along, talk about a little bit about Gus and his trip to the cartel. Gustavo Fring. Bad guy. Yes, bad things were done to him. His lover his, uh, was murdered right in front of him at that same fucking pool by Hector, right? Um, but that doesn't make all the things that he did and the perhaps tens if not hundreds of people who end up dead because of it, There's, it's not equal. And that's something that yeah. this show is always telling us This is, there's no, this is not, there's no karmic value. Okay. I kill like Kim. Uh, you know, I'm going to do this horrible shit. People might die. Lives are ruined, but I'm going to get another guy out of jail. It life doesn't work that way. Your good deeds do not erase the evil you do and the harm that you cause other people. There's no scale. You still did that bad thing. Right, you you just have to choose not to do those bad things.
1: Yeah, and, I think and, there's room yeah. for redemption. Like, I think if you do do bad things, you can <laughs> attempt to make amends at least. Now, I mean, sometimes well, you maybe you do something Lannister? so bad it doesn't matter. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Pl- plenty of characters. Yeah, you know, uh, like
0: that's a famous one. Like, is in the end, is Jamie Lannister? Did he? But I guess that's a personal, that's a subjective thing. You know, different. Everyone yeah. has their own. And it comes down to the people they hurt in a sense, right? What they, How they're really the ones who are more important in that sense. But this whole conversation, this was just beautiful um, with Gus and the cartel. Just the entrance, the fucking jacket in the car again. I love it. I am a very clean, like obsessive person, much like Gus. Not to that extent, hopefully. So mm-hmm. I really... When he does these type of things it just kind of makes me feel warm inside. I don't know I'm just kind of like I understand where he's coming from But obviously that he it drives him in a way that's completely unhealthy But the way he goes through this conversation Reginald had sent us another email about a lot of this episode is about people playing to their playing to the crowd or reading the room and the way that Gus read this and performed during this whole conversation where he has basically, you know, three guys who want to kill him immediately. Balsa always seems to be kind of his, his guy until he kills him and breaking bad, you know, in the, in, yeah. in better call Saul, they have gotten along a lot better. And he, and when it's, he says, you know, he'll take over, you know, that's setting up their eventual, there's probably a whole nother right. Balsa versus, <laughs> versus Gus that we didn't see where what well, we see the end of it in breaking bad. Um but it's just I think, masterful.
1: I think Bolsa is very similar to Eladio. That they are I mean they've got to be dealing
0: nicer though. Doesn't he always at least in at least in Better Call Saul, he has <laughs> seemed more more willing to see Gus's perspective because the other guys just don't give a fuck about, right? Like
1: the the thing is it, Bolsa, I think that the, the thing that Bolsa and Alario have in common is this perspective of how much money there is to be made. Yes. I'm guessing the that they're making millions and millions of dollars a week at that scale, that level Gus that is they're in a at.
0: man. Gus right? is in
1: and order. Gus makes a lot of money. And if there is some you know disruption, if there's some conflict between Gus and the Salamancos, people are gonna start killing each other. You know, work, you know, efforts that the employees, if you will, were going to be putting into making money off drugs instead are going to be put into killing each other off. The people get killed off are no longer making money. This is going to spur criminal investigations, which will get people arrested, which will get yeah. drug seized, and it will just cost them millions of dollars, all the time and effort that they've spent building up this infrastructure and these pathways and training these people, and it could just really fall apart really fast and they just want peace they don't care about some beef i think that whole meeting with nacho i think bolsa probably knew that that gus did do it yes. but he doesn't care he's like look if you can give us a good enough story <laughs> to stop well, I, whatever good enough nacho's dead let's move on but hector's not going to let it go yeah. Hector is not as motivated by money Fucking as he is by things, blood yeah. for blood, passion, anger, revenge, whatever else, you know? So yeah. I think you're right that Gus perfectly plays this. He's completely humble. It, a lot of things that is said to him that could be almost insulting or pushy or whatever, like when Donal Lauderdale tells him, take a seat. You could, someone might feel like they're being pushed around. Imagine someone telling Tuco to take a seat. You don't tell me what to do. But Gus is like, thank you right? Thank you for letting me take a seat, right? When he asks Gus, what do you think we should do? How do you think we should handle the scenario? Gus says, I wouldn't presume. He's not getting even to make an attempt to offer a compromise. Like, whatever you say, I'll go along with it. He's completely humble, and he has to be, because he knows there is a suspicion. I think that's part of what's happening in this scene, is Eladio is demonstrating to everyone present, there's no justification for killing Gus, and so I'm not going to do it. But then when he stops Gus and says, you know, I could see a little hate in your eyes. (laughs) I think he's letting Gus know. He's like, look, I I know, Hector. I know he's right, but I'm not going to do anything. But don't, I have, you know, don't give me a reason to. By the way, it was a beautiful moment. I don't know if you caught caught it, but there's this one split second where the angle that Gus is looking the reflection of the flames from the fire are in, in his glasses. And it's, and it's right when he when Hector's, they're reading Hector's letters, like look in his eyes and you'll see the hate. Right at that moment, if you pause the screen, you're like, oh, it's just this burning hatred in Gus's eyes. Yeah.
0: Well, I thought, yeah, man, great stuff, man. You're totally right. And I just, you're right. Eladio just has to make a business decision, even though he knows that Gus does want to fucking kill him. Like there's no, you know, he knows what he did and that, that's the, that's the world they live in. And that's, that's what you get for that. And in the end he'll get got right in that same pool. And I think it was, it's interesting to me when we first see Hector in breaking bad, he's with Tuco and he doesn't seem to be being taken care of properly. And I think this scene speaks very well to that transition because during Better Call Saul, Hector has had more power and more pull with Don Eladio and the cartel Mm -hmm. than he has in Breaking Bad. And I think that the reason why, I mean, it escalates obviously in Breaking Bad, but when we first see him, he had to kind of maybe in a sense, get that back. You know, and 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 that's illustrated by when Aladio um, is saying, oh, yeah, go, go, Hector, go. And then and then later after he leaves, he goes, I want to hear that ding,
1: ding, ding, kind of ding, mocks him, ding. you know, yeah. like he's making Aladio's kind of done with Hector. Yes, Hector is exactly. hard to deal with. He's causing trouble. He's, he's trying to push yes. him to the back burner. He's yeah.
0: gotten old. And now this is and for Gus, that must have been such a victory, too right yeah <laughs> <That's>, Oh yeah. <laughs> that was a victory for Gus um right there and uh yeah it was just it was just the whole thing was great it was full of so many little there were so many shots that were reminiscent so much stuff in Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad happens at that poolside and what's that what's a lot of his name Stephen Bauer right what a great I mean fa- what a fantastic role and when you think about it He's probably been in like less than 10 scenes, maybe a little more than that in the entire run of both shows. So it's uh, it's really fantastic. And I do think that that was a pretty perfect place if that's where we kind of we may see Gus and, and Mike again, who knows, in the next episode. But I don't think like you said, I don't think we'll be following new whole stories with them. You know, because we see their story in Breaking Bad. So uh, I think that that's enough for me at this point. Um, Well, I think I'm going to we've talked so much about everything. Do you want to talk a little bit about I'd like to hear what you might think happens with Gene. Do you think we're going to get Kim and is Kim in Nebraska? Is that why Gene went there?
1: Do you Would mind, you by the way, before we move forward, right. I don't want to drag this on too long, but I, I had a couple little points to make. No, uh, go
0: ahead, buddy. You're uh, making great points. I'd love to hear them.
1: When when Gus is heading toward Eladio's, that, the the opening of that sequence, I just want to point out just the the, the details, the, the attention, the reasoning behind everything that they do. We see that shot from behind Gus. We're kind of like looking out the the, the window with him. We don't really quite even know where he's going. It's not clear that that's even Mexico, right? Yeah. Um, And I I think they did that shot for a very specific reason, rather than from the side or just showing him get out of the car or whatever else, because they wanted us to see the green lit dashboard in front of Gus, because he's still keeping up this facade as he goes to visit Don Eladio. It's subtle, but I think it was intentional. They easily, the the dashboard of that car could have been lit up in red or, you know, imagine just dashboards of cars, all kinds of different colors. They definitely chose that to be green, just to keep in line with their use of green as a color. Um, also really, really appreciated. It's something to keep in mind. Almost every episode of better call Saul picks up right where I left off. And almost every episode only lasts for a few days. The, the whole, everything we've watched, not counting this big jump we had just now, right right, just now. But everything is only about two years long, you know. Almost every episode from one to the next only spans probably an average of like a week, you know. Point being, Gus has bullet wounds in his side, right? And I appreciate that when he pulls his jacket out of the car, he winces a little bit. And when they pat him wow. down, he winces. A, that's a minor detail wait, wait but thing, i'm but. so glad they include it it just shows how much attention they're paying to every little detail um i i, I, I did I, have another so
0: okay oh, i'll say i love that you pick that up because that has such emotional resonance to to whenever gus goes there there's that sacrifice right and what mm-hmm. happened there um to max and i think that he carries that pain with him everywhere
1: oh yes that's an extra layer to it
0: going in there you know it's i mean imagine that just in your own life if you had to pass like uh, a street where your friend died in a car accident or something do you know what i mean like that's that's really hard you
1: kind of have to put your game face on to deal with that you know
0: gus to be able to walk into that lion's den over and over again um, yeah, a very compelling character, still a monster though.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, I had another thought, by the way, this is, um, sorry, this might be like slightly convoluted, but it's, it's a way that we might be able to incorporate Gus or Jesse it's some of this breaking bad storyline. It's a thought I have rewatching breaking bad. Um, do you remember the, the, the segment where, it's when Walt first meets Gus. He, he's he got all this meth and like his gang is, is, you know, his quote unquote gang is falling apart. Right. And uh and he's trying to figure out how he's got like, you know, 30 or 40 pounds of it. No way to move it. And he and he as he's asking Saul. Saul's I know a guy that knows a guy. He goes to Los Pollos and, you know, quote-unquote meets Gus but Gus doesn't reveal who he is eventually eventually saw pieces together that must be the guy and he kind of pushes him Gus doesn't want to work with him because he could see J- Jess is an addict in this whole scenario you remember Walt suddenly gets this text like polos he, so he gets this sudden instructions yeah. like okay you got to bring the 38 pounds so this truck stop in one hour and Uh, You know, Walt's like, there's no way I can do it. He's scrambling. He races over to Jesse's. Jesse won't answer the door. He's like pounding and breaks in. He dumps out a trash bag to put the drugs into, you know. And in the middle of this, his phone, his phone's ringing and it's Skylar. And there's a text, baby's coming. At that point in the story, she was pregnant, right? And he had just has this moment where he just decides you know he puts his phone down and keeps packing up the drugs and you realize he's kind of chosen you know this this drug trade and this money over his his wife and his family or whatever watching that now I have a little bit of a different perspective I Walt felt like he had to do this now or never and I think as an audience at that time watching it we felt that way too but if you take a step back and think about it now do you think that Gus and Saul weren't going to try to find some angle to get that million-plus dollars worth of drugs? Do you think they weren't going to just call them yeah. next week and say, hey, you can me us at the truck stop it now? It was a
0: control <laughs> method. It was a method of control. That's what Gus yes. always
1: does, and yeah. Mike
0: does too, right? That's yeah. They want to and, dictate and Saul, the
1: trucks. And Saul does too. Yeah, that's what I, it becomes about. Something that we c- – pretty constantly see almost every interaction of Saul and Walt or Jesse Saul's encouraging them to cook more anyway I bring this up because I think it's uh, it's it's a way for us to maybe see some behind the scenes uh, of how uh, Jesse and uh, uh, Walt were being influenced by um, Saul and or Gus I, I, it, it, you were asking me uh, you know about where things might go with Gene I think but still kind of thinking forward a lot of times it's connected to thinking back uh, I guess thinking about breaking bad is also kind of like thinking forward, but um, I don't know. I don't know if that makes any sense. But <laughs> so
0: what are you saying? You think that he's going to get mixed up in something again? He yeah. I, himself. I, That's the way I feel too. I feel this cab driver recognizes him. We don't even know who this cabby is, yeah. right? Like we he could be someone else. He seems he brings another guy with him, right? When he, when he comes. So, I think that there is something he it's like we get that scene where he calls uh, Robert Forrester a mm-hmm. vacuum cleaner salesman right like he's going to he's going to go away again but then he decides not to and I just feel like that decision is to when you were talking about how as Saul he keeps moving like a shark because he doesn't want to think he doesn't want to contemplate self-reflection right Mm -hmm. maybe also because he doesn't he doesn't want to love he doesn't want to be hurt again but i feel like if he's sitting there as gene going to cinnabon and okay you know wake what's he thinking about he's working himself into something i just don't i don't know that he can help himself and i feel like this whole fucking thing might not end with them deciding to live a happy life together it might end with after a while kim is like Fuck it! I haven't had fun in fifteen years. <laughs> you know I mean? You're like, let's do it, Jimmy. And then it cuts to black, and they're just back to they're just back to fucking each other up again. You know, it could.
1: I well. I will say I don't expect that to happen. I, I, I'll tell you, <laughs> and I'll tell you where I do think it's going to go, and you'll see why I don't think that what is heck? where it'll what go. Uh, but I did earlier. I wanted to go on branches back and forth with both. Saul and Kim. So I'll, I'll do it here. With with Saul, remember, I, I, I was saying I think he's filled his life with distractions from self-reflection. As Gene, he can't do that. He's got to, okay. excuse me, he, he's got to just be going crazy sitting there at home <laughs> by himself. He, I think, is being forced to reflect on his past. Oh, okay. Now, okay,
0: okay, okay.
1: Right? It's like he option. doesn't have the option of running like, cams yeah. and going out drinking and, and all anything someone might do normally. He just can't, he's got to lay low. So, A, you know, I, I have this hope maybe that he'll actually grow and learn, but that's probably tinfoil. Okay. (laughs) I think what's more likely is he's going to break. He can't like, maybe he can do this for a year or three years, but he just can't go for the rest of his life. Just sitting around, he's got to get mixed up in something. And I think they're setting something up for you to get mixed up in with this whole Jeff, this whole Jeff character. I think that he's going to, I, I I can see a lot of ways it going it goes and I did you see okay so trailer is not even the right word these past couple episodes they've given us like these little No I don't snips. watch them
0: I never right? I'm, I'm like a, uh, sometimes if we're going to talk about um like on a Westworld or Game of Thrones, maybe do a little bit like just trail, like you guys do, like you'll do, that we'll just talk about the trailer because it's a little bit of a spoilery, but I don't mind if you mention it now because like you said, they don't, this is like Mad Men type trailers. Yeah,
1: Like last week, all they gave us was uh, that line Saul said to Kim. You know, one day you'll wake up and you won't even think about it. That was it. That was the whole quote unquote trailer it was just that one line. That was it, you know, and this one, it's an image. It's just a shot. It looks like of maybe a department store, maybe in a mall. And, and it's, a, a, you know, Bob Oderkirk's voice, you know, some people will point out subtle differences in how he talks as Saul versus Gene yep. versus Jimmy, um, but uh, and it's like this salesman kind of thing. It's like you know, cashmere rugs for sale, Armani suits, get them here. You know, he's like this sort of salesman pitch of things that might be in a department store. I think piecing that together with a bunch of other stuff, I think we was on that phone with Ed. I, I think he was realizing, you know, look, I can get moved again, but a, it's gonna suck up my little last little treasure of savings. I don't want to have to blow that moving again just because this doofus cab driver thinks he knows who I am. Screw that guy. I can manipulate this guy. I'm not, this isn't going to be the guy that beats me. You know what I mean? And uh, and I think that he is on the phone in that moment, he's piecing together the plan. I think it's a mix of things. I think it's a mix of him realizing he doesn't want to keep looking over his shoulder. He can move again, but this will happen again. He's going to have to spend a bunch of money to move again. He might not have the option again. This guy isn't good enough to be the one that makes me move again and spend all this money. I think he's coming up with a scheme and I think he's going to create some sort of distraction in the mall to run away from this guy or get this guy blamed for shoplifting or mm-hmm. something. We'll see. And I think also it's going to be a relatively small piece of what we end up seeing from Jim. Uh Gene, sorry. Okay, um, interesting. I- I think in the big picture, in the long term, this, this is my prediction. Now, I will also say I'm not like super confident about this. <laughs> I just think it's more likely than anything else. You know, okay. I, I think that this this might not even be more than 50 percent likely, but all the other possibilities are like eight or 12 percent likely. And this <laughs> one is 45 or 50. OK, I think he's going to turn himself in and go to jail. Oh, That's where I think they're wow. going to go. And I have several points to back this up. One is another one of the. This wasn't even uh, like a, a preview. It was just one of the little promos. When it, you you know like the like like the poster of him putting mm. on the the red jacket. There's one of him plucking off a, a, a wanted sign for him on like a bulletin board. It's like a bulletin board with all you know like you know concert in a park and yoga classes. Yes. Five million dollar reward for Jim. Have you seen this one? The thing is, everything on that bulletin board is in Albuquerque. So he's in Nebraska. why is he why is he plucking this thing off in Albuquerque? So there's a, a hint there that he might go back to Albuquerque. Now, I don't know if that if that's Canon. I don't know how much they put, thought they put it, but it seems like they think things out pretty clearly. So that's one factor. Two, that red jacket he's putting on that's bringing some color back into his life. That's going back to where he was before. I think he's gonna he's not gonna just keep laying low and when he doesn't, he's gonna get in trouble. And I think that that reward money, he might angle. I think he might do something he knows is going to get himself caught with Jeff. And when he does, he's going to angle once he gets caught or turns himself in preemptively to get Kim the reward money. Or maybe the Kettleman's or Cheryl or someone else in his life that he wronged. I think it makes sense because... He gave that exact advice to Walt in Breaking Bad. Their last moment together, he was telling Walt, look, t- face the music, turn yourself in. It'll be better off for your family. You won't be living looking over your shoulder. That's what you should do. He might take his own advice. It also gives us sort of like this bittersweet ending. Like, I don't think it's going to be this cheesy, happy ending with Kim. Oh, yeah. But I also don't think he's gonna get murdered in the streets. Him going to jail is kind of in the middle. And in jail, he could still sort of find success. What do you think he's going to do in jail? Sit there and twiddle his thumbs? No, he's going to help all the <laughs> other inmates with their cases, right? He's going to be the jail oh, lawyer, yeah. right? Yeah. So he'll still yeah. get to be Saul. He'll still get to have his energy. That he'll still get to work the that... system. He'll get yeah. to stick it to the man. He'll sort of be protective. He you won't have to be looking that. over his shoulder because yeah. people will like him and trust him and count on him. I, like that. I, I think there's a lot of pieces that add up to this conclusion. And it, I think it'll be a similar moment to where he'll – we'll get like this montage of this sort of role he's formed and this sort of success that he's having, but that we're going to end on him staring into a blank wall probably thinking about his dead brother. You know what I mean? He still won't really be happy. So, and we so also know that the showrunners this. have said that they want the characters to get where they deserve. I think Jimmy kind of deserves that. He doesn't deserve to get a happy ever ending with Kim. He's not going to be able to live his life on the low or without getting captured. I think it's I think it's the most logical ending. When you play out all the other scenarios, I think it's the one that adds up in the most ways with the most sense.
0: So do you think that Kim is in Nebraska or do you think she's still at Albuquerque? Do you think they're going to cross paths again? Again.
1: I think there is a strong chance they've crossed paths again. I think that she's probably not in Albuquerque. I think she probably wanted to get out of that apartment. She wanted to get away from Saul. She wants to get out of that town. She gave up her, she she resigned from a bar, but she could just be in the bar in another state or she might pursue something totally different. She might open an orphanage, you know, some other way to help people out. I think it's a strong possibility that she goes back at least to visit her mom and or dad, if not to stay with them. And I, we also know that Carol Burnett is going to be cast. I think that's a strong possibility. Yeah. Carol Burnett plays her mom. Oh,
0: totally. As soon as I saw that, I was like, that's, yeah. not, I mean, that's not confirmed in any way. We know she's going to be on the show. But I think and that's
1: that, another reason why I think that she's probably... Kim's probably not going to get mixed up in scams again. A, because I think Jim's, Jimmy's going to be in jail. And she might even assist him in some way from jail. I don't think that's likely, but it's a possibility she at least visits him, right? I think what's going to happen is Kim, going back to her mom, she probably left her mom for the same reason she lost Jimmy. We saw her mom kind of encouraging the shoplifting, playing the the manager oh, of the yeah, dude. store. A, I yeah, think... Yeah. yeah, I think Kim probably either did or... Knew she was going to get mixed up with scams in her mom and didn't want to and left that path just like she left the path with Jimmy. Now if she goes back to her mom, I think her mom's gonna be this awful person and Kim is gonna be reminded of why she doesn't want to be on that path.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess we shall see, man. We'll see. This has been a fantastic time talking to you about the show.
1: Yeah, I, I love it. <laughs> see
0: what happens, man. You got a lot of great ideas, got a lot of energy. Hey, let me ask you something live on the show. You want, you want to do this again next week? Because Heath just told me he can't make next week's episode. Oh. He's going on vacation.
1: Uh, I Well, let's see. I would love to do it. Short answer. <laughs> we might have to hammer out the details of when. I think All our original right. plan was Wednesday, which will work better for me next week than Thursday. So, yeah. Um,
0: hey, right. we could do it on Wednesday. That sounds like fun, man. All right. Well, let me see. We'll talk it. I'll talk it out with Heath. But it has All been right. fantastic having you on. Your thoughts, your ideas, your analysis of this show are fantastic. Now, I'm going to put it in the show notes, of course, so when I publicize this on the interwebs. But please tell us again where people can find you, Sean.
1: Well, if if I may, I'm I'm excited to do that. But I want to drop one more bomb on you. Can I? Can I? I had one last talking point. Hit me. The the scene with Gus with the wine. That moment, there was a moment, it it reminded me of the moment, a couple moments earlier where Gus, we kind of see in Giancarlo's acting that he's having like an epiphany, right? We saw it when Kim told him that Jimmy talked Lalo out of sending him. We saw it when he suggested the curly fries. He kind of connected Madrigal and Lalo to Germany. I think in that moment when he was drinking that wine, there's a lot going on there. I think one thing he's kind of realizing he can't afford to indulge in the niceties of life. He has this quest for revenge. Right. Um, But I think possibly more specifically, he might've formulated a plan in that moment. Right before that was the scene at Don Eladio's where Hector wanted blood for blood. And then we have that sommelier telling him about the, the taste of blood and the wine from the iron oxide and sulfate or whatever i wonder if it clicked in gus's mind that the way to take out Don audio was to poison him
0: that's a great point man
1: i'm not very sure about that but i think it's at least a like consideration I yeah like
0: it i like it all right we end with another great point sean now please tell us where people can find you
1: so uh on youtube dancing sean on twitter and reddit dancing sean and uh, heck you can follow me i'm sean pink on uh facebook also and so, uh, there, there's some Better Call Saul, uh, discussion groups on Facebook that are, I don't know, worthwhile, it's worthwhile as anything, Absolutely. I guess, but, uh. I, I, I've tried to be pretty active on there, but sometimes it can be overwhelming and or frustrating. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I I've done a few uh, little short movie previews on my YouTube channel where I do, like, a one-minute review of a movie where I try not to spoil plot stuff I just talk about, like, the genre and the tone and the director and stuff like that. And I also covered the boys for the first couple seasons. And... Um, And of course, history of Westeros. uh, Check us out. We do very. We average over two hours per stream on, like we're we're doing. We're going through uh, the the uh, the world of Ice and Fire, and we're doing about two hours per page, and it's like 300 pages. So we're still going to be on (laughs) that five years from now.
0: (laughs) Well, you got. You're going to do House of the Dragon, right?
1: Yep. Yeah, we're going to do that on Monday nights. Are
0: you going to do the same format where? they do like a book one and like a not book reader one because you're like not a book reader, right?
1: Right. Well, at this point, I have read all the books, but I haven't read Fire and Blood, which a lot of this House of Dragons story comes from. And also, having read it is different from like memorizing the order of every Targaryen king, you know what I mean? So I am uh, 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 semi-unspoiled, unsullied. (laughs) That's the term I use. So my perspective is supposed to be from someone who is... uh, doesn't have a lot of expectations plot yeah. wise. Does that make sense? Like, and no, so I, I think that they, that's
0: the way we're going to be doing. Uh, we're going to be covering it as well. Gina and I, and Gina is definitely more the book reader. And even though I've listened to fire and blood before um, and many of the books here, well, not all of them, but here and there, I still don't have the same grasp th- that deep. So I think it's always good you, to have that too. Because Have you
1: read the Duncan egg books? No, Nope. The must theorem. Um, you yeah, got her. They're going to do
0: them th- too. So I'll learn yeah. about that when they do that. And they're going to do a million other shows. And Jon Snow is coming back and everybody's yeah, coming man. back. I'm done
1: with it. You know, if it's those Duncan egg books, all three of them combined are only like 300 pages. It's it's oh, okay. very short, but they're very rich. They they're, they're I want to say they're better. Like page per page, they might be better than the, the main storybooks. Uh-huh. Uh, the, some people might think I'm blasphemous, but some people might agree with me. You'd be surprised. <laughs> Even like super fans still love those books. They're really, really good. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much, Sean. Everybody have a great night. Thanks for listening. Check us out at DVRPodcast.com. Peace out.